Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. Put your hands together and welcome our senior pastor. Hey, hey. Come on, let's give Jesus a bigger hand clap than that, can we? Amen. Love you guys. We have much to celebrate this weekend. We really do. Number one, as they said, the end of the 21 days of fasting and prayer. Yes, we can celebrate that. We can have sugar again, right? Have meat. And so we are celebrating that, and uh, we're excited about everything that the Lord did over the last 21 days, and we know that God is doing even greater things as we go into this year. We're celebrating over 90 people who got involved in over 16 life groups last weekend alone. Come on, we can celebrate that. I love that. I heard one story where there was a couple out at the life group wall. They didn't really see one that they wanted, um, that met you know, their schedule, their availability. Another couple comes up right behind them. They decide to start a life group right there. Just the two. Another couple comes up and they said, hey, you want a life group? And there's not one. They're like, yeah, join ours. And so we just had impromptu life groups starting in the foyer after service last week. So that was fun. We can celebrate that. Another thing that we can celebrate is our final inspection for the new construction is actually scheduled for the first part of February, which means we get our occupancy after that. Amen. <laughs> Excited about that. You drove in today. You saw it. we roped off the parking lot, all the, uh, all the new asphalt's out there right now. They didn't want us driving on it because they want to stripe it while it's clean still. So that's going on. So progression is there. And then something very special is happening tomorrow. It is Pastor Ruben's 40th birthday. Oh, my gosh. 40 years old. So be sure to stuff his pockets with $100 bills today, all right? It's his 40th birthday. He might, he's wearing all black today. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but he's, he's in all black. So we are celebrating that. And then, of course, last Wednesday this week, we're super excited about last Wednesday. Pastor Taylor has got a word from the Lord, and so he's going to come. He's going to share this week at last Wednesday service. If you've not been to a last Wednesday service, you're going to want to come, number one, but you're going to want to come to this one. We're super excited about this one. We're excited about all of them. We really are. But this one, we, we think that the Lord's going to do something fairly significant, so make plans on being here for that. And then we are navigating through the book of James during this series and this is probably, my goal is to be done with this series by Easter. You know what I mean? And so we are still in chapter one. Uh, it has been quite, quite honestly the longest series I've ever ministered on, but it's also been the most fun series I've ever done. Every single week, the Lord is taking us a different direction. And so we're really, really enjoying our, if you will, book review of the book of James in the New Testament. So Today, we're going to James chapter 1, verse 19. And let me just tell you this. Don't just, don't just read the text today. Don't just fall back into the normal whatever. Like, lean into the message today. There is not one person who has extracted everything there is to extract from any single scripture in the Bible. There's always something to learn, always something to know, always something to, to grow in in our life if we will implement it into our lives. We have to mix faith with that. It's not just something when we come and we're like, okay, preacher, do your deal. No, 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 no. Listen. What is the Holy Spirit sharing with you, teaching you, encouraging you as you navigate through these scriptures? 
So let's, let's mix a little bit of faith with it today. Father, we love you. And fathers, we approach your holy word. Father, we thank you for guidance. We thank you for direction. Father, I thank you if there's areas in our life, because, Lord, we know that James is pretty much a tell-it-like-it-is kind of guy. If there's areas in our life, Father God, that, that we need to make a step, that we need to make improvements on, that we need to take note of, then, Father, we want to do that. Father, speak to us in a way that we understand, God. Lord, I pray that every single one of us, as we're listening to the message today, it's like we're the only people in the room, Father, because your Holy Spirit has just shined a light in our hearts. Father, I thank you for utterance today. Let me to speak your words in Jesus' name. Amen. James chapter 1, verse 19, if you don't have a Bible or a mobile device that has a Bible app, we'll throw the scriptures up on the screen for you. We like, we like your eyes to see the Word of God. Two reasons. Number one, there's power in the Word. And when your eyes see the Word of God, it does something to you. Number two, I don't want you taking my word for it. I want you to see it in Scripture. Don't take anybody's word for it. You need to learn what the Bible says on its own without anybody's opinion. Are you with me, friends? James chapter 1, verse 19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, so he's talking to us believers, he says, take note of this. In other words, this is going to be important. You should probably write this down, James says. Take note of this. Everyone, not just some, not just really super spiritual people, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which, the Bible says, can save you. Now, we look at this scripture and we think, we think this is pretty self-explanatory, right? Like it makes, it makes sense. But if we're not careful, we'll skim right past these verses of Scripture and we'll miss what the Lord's trying to communicate to us. He says everyone should be quick to listen, to listen, not to just give your opinion, not just to tell your two cents, right? Not just to speak your mind. I think as a society, we've forgotten how to communicate, Communication is not just a one-way road. Like, it is, a, it is a give and take. It is listening and speaking. The Bible says to be slow to speak, meaning the emphasis is actually on the listening part. There's a famous author, a business leader. Uh, he's gone on to be with Jesus now, but he wrote the book, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. If you're a prior school student, you're probably more familiar with the book he wrote, The Leader in Me. And in that book, he has one of these, one of these habits is, is to seek first to understand, then be understood. And it's, it carries a weight with it. It carries a principle with it that we need to be quick to listen, not just give our thoughts, not just give our opinions. You know, I think for most of us, we're, we're listening with the intention of, like, of what we're going to say next right? It's like you're just waiting for them to shut up so you can speak. That's, that's how we listen these days. What if we didn't do that? What if, what if we were quick to actually stop and to listen and slow to say your thoughts, 
to say your opinions, to give your advice. You know, there's a saying out there that says, I just don't understand why they don't listen to me. Now, break that down. I don't understand why they don't listen to me. And see, we're not truly seeking first to to understand before we're understood. And all too often, we listen with the intent to reply. Now, I don't think it's all malicious. I don't think it's, this is, you know, where all arguments stem from. I actually feel like there are people who genuinely want to help. I mean, if you do what I do, people come up and they like to share their concerns, their issues, their problems pretty much all the time. And it's really easy if I know that this person is expecting me to say something in a few minutes that's going to change their life forever that I am listening with the intent of forming what I'm going to say in a few minutes. And even doing that, you miss it. You miss what people are trying to say. You miss what's really going on because we're too wrapped up in what we're going to say in a few minutes. And I think, I think most of us know self-controlled people. Think of the most self-controlled person you know. Okay? They're calm, they're collected, they're ponderers, they're listeners. And they don't say much, but when they do say something, it carries weight with it. And even a person who's self-controlled can be misinformed, can only have parts of the story. But even a person who may be misinformed, when they realize that they they were missing something, they don't just get mad, they're not embarrassed, they just simply apologize. I'm sorry, I was misinformed. Or I didn't have the whole story. They don't get all wrapped up in the drama of communication. They're controlled. And when they do speak, it carries weight with it. James goes on here in verse 19, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow, James says, to become angry. Why? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, why would he specify human anger? Well, because there is a human anger that's not godly. I think we've all been on the wrong side of human anger, haven't we? We've all been on the wrong side of that. I, I remember, um, it's been a few years ago now, but, uh, you know, Taliana was, um, was, was away at Dry Gulch, and she was a, she was a summer uh, intern there. They did, they, she was a lifeguard is what she was, and her and Tyson both did that. So they'd spend their summers at Dry Gulch. Well, this particular summer, Tyra, it was a Friday. We have Fridays off around here. It was a nice day. Tyra has a Jeep that she affectionately refers to as Dave, okay? She named her Jeep Dave. Now, I I used to be the guy that would drive the yuppie vehicles. Like, I want bun warmers. I want my steering wheel to be heated, right? I want want it to talk to my phone so I can talk to my my car like like Tony Stark does Jarvis, right? Like, I I want all the candy. Well, she drives a 1993 Jeep Wrangler. It's got a six inch lift and 33 inch tires. 
I made the mistake last service of saying 31-inch tires. She was on the front row and corrected me, all right? It's got 33-inch tires on it. Like, this is... But make no mistake about it. It's, it's a Jeep. And what do you think of when you think of Jeep? You think of mud. You think of, you know, doing donuts in sloppy swamps. I mean, that's what you think about. And she had done that. The top was off. She had mud all inside of it. And so she spent this particular day cleaning day, right? She spent hours and just got every piece of mud. And you'll be surprised at where mud can hide in a Jeep, especially when the top is off. But she cleaned the whole thing up. And then she went and she got my, my cleaning equipment for my yuppie vehicle, right? She got my cleaning equipment and started to use it on Dave, right? And she cleans the dash. She gets a Q-tip out and cleans in the vents, okay? She uses uh, my tire treatment. You know, you, you, can, you can buy that shiny stuff to stick on your tires. I like that. I told, I told my family I'll never live on a gravel road because I couldn't use tire dressing on my tires. It would just make them gray. And so she gets that out, and she uses a whole can on the floor of Dave because it's just like that... Uh, it's, uh, it's like sprayed with bed liner, right? So she wanted the floor to look really good. She cleans the wheels and the tires. And again, those tires are meaty, so she gets all of the mud out. Then she uses another can of tire dressing and sprays her big old 33-inch tires with my tire dressing, right? And just this thing is sitting in the driveway, and it is just reflecting the sunlight, right? It is clean. Well, we had to go do something, and so we left it in the driveway. We jumped in my yuppie vehicle, and we left. And then um, Taliana comes home from Dry Gulch with all of her girlfriends, all of her friends that are also lifeguards. And as they pull into the driveway, there's Dave. And it's, it's a little-known rule at the Reigns house, even though that Dave belongs to Tyra, it's pretty much free reign. If he's there, you can drive him. I mean, that's just pretty much how it rolls in our home. And so she says, hey, do you guys want to go for a ride in Dave? <laughs> Tops off. They're all a bunch of girls. They've got long hair. They just want it to fly in the wind. Dave's this big. Taliana's this big. And you know, Climbs up inside Dave, cranks him up. Let's go get this thing stuck, right? That's what you think of. And so we come home that night to see Dave, who Tyra spent hours getting it to shine with chunks of wet mother earth all over it. Like up inside the fender wells, like as I pull up, I see boulder-sized chunks of mud falling to the driveway, right? And most of you guys are thinking, well, he's talking about human anger. She must have been mad. No, she was cool. I was like, who's going to clean up my driveway, right? Where's, who's going to clean all of this stuff up? And we laugh about that. But really, for some of us, human anger isn't a laughing matter because we've been on the wrong side of human anger. We've had a father, a husband, a boyfriend. Maybe for some of us, it was a, it was a mother, it was a coworker, it was a boss. And we've been on the wrong side of their human anger. Well, if it talks about human anger, is there a different type? Well, there is definitely a, a righteous anger. 
The Bible actually tells us to be angry and sin not. We see examples all through, all through the Bible of where, where God exhibits anger-like characteristics. Or Jesus. Jesus expressed anger at the Pharisees who exhibited such hard hearts, Mark 3 says. We see Jesus get mad at the commercialism of the money changers in the temple, throws the tables over. Remember that? We see Jesus was extremely displeased over sin, and we see that there's different cases through Scripture where there's a righteous, if you will, anger when the Lord's things aren't treated well. Can I be honest with you? I've got areas in my life that make me angry. Now, it's not human anger like you're thinking about. I really don't like it when someone takes advantage of the righteous. I don't like injustice, and it makes me angry. Uh, recently, we spent about two weeks in the hospital around Christmas time. Tyra's father had some heart situations going on, and so we spent a lot of time up in the, uh, in the heart hospital. And if you're familiar with the heart hospital, it's right next to the St. Francis Children's Hospital. And one time, Tyra went up early. She was going to spend the day with her, with her dad. And as she was walking up, because the parking lot for both of them is over on this side, and you have to walk kind of through the entrance of the children's hospital on the way to the heart hospital. And as she was walking through or by the, the children's hospital, she saw a young father, probably in his early 20s, and just had his head in his hands, and he was weeping. And he was saying the phrase, why my baby? Why did this have to happen to my baby? And the impression she got was obviously that the baby had passed away. See, human anger, see, that makes me mad. When, when the devil picks on little children, the innocent, the ones who can't do anything, didn't deserve anything. See, human anger is very self-seeking. It's very much, you know, this is what I want. I need you to conform to me because I'm the boss of you, or you're little and I'm, I'm superior. But righteous anger will actually provoke you to do something about it. Human anger is very self-serving. A righteous indignation or a righteous anger will provoke you to do something about it. And you're like, well, what are you going to do about, you know, sickness in, a, in children? I'm going to spend the rest of my life preaching the good news that every single person who comes to Jesus left healed. And this, this church is going to be the healthiest church in Mays County because my people are going to understand that healing is the children's bread. Can I have an amen, someone? Amen. And your kids are going to be safe. Your children are going to be healthy because I've spent, I'm going to spend the rest of my life telling people the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what righteous anger does. It causes you to live for something, to do something about it. Well, then he goes on in verse 21 here, and he says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, 
which can save you. I love that James does all the heavy lifting for me. I just have to read his scriptures, right? Moral filth, the Bible says. And then it goes on to say, which is so prevalent. In other words, it's, it's the result of living in the fallen world that we live in, moral filth, and it's so prevalent. And I think what happens with us being human beings, we assume because the world is in the condition that it is, that it's just the way it is. And we become more and more okay with moral filth, as James calls it, and we assume that God is as well. Well, it's just the way culture is. It's just the way life is going. So I'm sure God's fine with it. He is the God of love, and that is true. But make no mistake about it. He is not okay with moral filth, which is so prevalent, the Bible says. See, we think that God kind of looks away at things. And James, for some reason, likes to keep bringing us back to our heart he likes to bring us back to sin. He likes to bring us back to some of these areas in our life. And he's like, hey, don't just skim over these things. Like, let's have a conversation about these, right? And we can see all throughout biblical history God's view of moral filth. We see entire societies turning against God and his word. And then we see the results of that. We see the kind of the aftermath. God doesn't change his mind on what he considers moral filth. Now, remember, James is talking about moral filth on the heels of talking about human anger. They're all connected. Like, he didn't just finish one thought and go into another one. These are all connected. It's been my experience that people who are willfully making wrong choices. People who are willfully, in other words, they're choosing to do wrong, are the ones who are pretty quick-tempered. They're the ones that are insecure. They're constantly living from a place of guilt and shame. See, the reason why a guilt, guilt will do something to you. Guilty people have a secret. And they can't let you get too close to them because, because if you get too close to them, then you may find out that I have a secret and it'll change what you think about me. And so I can't let you too close because then you'll, you'll find out my secret. And the secret a lot of times is this willful sin or something going on. And so guilty people are people who are living from a place of shame. They keep people at arm's bay. They use their words. They use their emotion. They use anger to keep people, to, to keep the upper hand. The byproduct of this kind of a moral condition is anger. They're, they're doing wrong and they know it. So the question I'm asking all of our services this weekend, because we want to grow, we want to change, we want to leave here today different, is there moral filth in our lives. And I don't think I have to go through and tell you what moral filth is. We, we know what it is. I told you James was just a tell-it-like-it-is kind of guy. We know. This is why we encourage life groups around here. Get in a group where people know you. 
And you're like, well, I don't know anybody. I'm new at your place, church. Again, we believe that actual life change happens in the context of healthy relationships. Life groups are not just a good idea because we're a church with, with, you know, of life groups. Life groups are a good idea because there's accountability there. I'm not saying you have to confess all your moral filth on week one, okay? Like, no one signs up for that. But what will end up happening is your guard, the more you track time with your life group, the more your guard will begin to fall, and you'll begin to trust these people. You'll begin to know that this is a judgment-free place. Can I tell you something, your place, church? We are a judgment-free bunch of people. People can come and share their crap, and it'll be okay. We're not people who look down our noses at people. We don't go, (gasps) we don't scoff. This that's how life change happens. It happens when I can just be vulnerable. We have a saying in my life group, any of the fellows in my life group or who has ever been in my life group, I tell them this. Any of you guys leave here? And I catch you talking about what was, what was spoke at my, in my living room at life group. You tell someone else about it. You can't come back until you stand before all of us and you apologize. You know what that does? Create something inside of you. What happens in Pastor Darian's life group stays in Pastor Darian's life group. But you know what? Every single one of them found freedom because they felt loved. They felt that there was no judgment here. I shared my stuff. Hey, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I command my pants to stand up in the corner and levitate over to them. No, 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 no. Like, I'm human just like you. And we share things, which is why you need a life group. If you can't find one, start one. Amen, everyone. Praise the Lord. Man, we've covered a lot already in three verses. Listening. Being slow to speak, human and godly anger, moral filth, don't leave muddy vehicles in Darian's driveway. Like, we covered it all. It's all right there in James. It's all there. But James changes gears here, and he begins to give us the answer to all of these things, because I told you they're all connected. Therefore, get rid of moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word Planted in you, which can save you, James says. Why? Why does he say that? There is enough power in the Word of God alone, without anybody preaching it, without anybody's opinion, there is enough power in the Word of God alone to change your life forever. I could show up on the weekend, sing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, and read a scripture, and your life can be changed. Because there's enough power in the Word of God alone to change you. He goes on to say, Don't, do not merely listen to the Word. And then look what he says, and deceive yourselves. Don't think just coming on the weekend and punching your time clock, all right, I'm here, God. You got an hour and five minutes. Say something awesome. 
And then when Reuben comes up on the keyboard, it's like that 30 minutes before the workday's over, you're standing at the time clock waiting. Chink, I can go back to my normal life. No, no. That's not what he's saying. He's like, don't just listen to the word. Don't just come in this place and assume that worship on the weekend is enough. Don't assume that we get heaven points if we just read our Bible just to get through the chapter. Oh, quick. No, 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 no. The Bible says do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. You're not deceiving anyone else. You're deceiving yourselves. Do what it says. James is so cut and dry. Do what it says. I'm about to make a big statement right now. And it's one of those statements that I want you to think about, ponder it. You may even want to write this down. The only people who get results in their faith life are doers of the word. Not wishers, not someday-ers. Ah, I'll do that someday. No, 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 no. Not maybeers, not hopers, doers are the only people who get results. Verse 23, anyone, churchgoer or not, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. See, we understand this. We get up in the morning, the first thing we do, go to the restroom, turn on the light. Hopefully you turn on the light first. I don't know. Especially if you're a dude, all right? You look in the mirror and you're like, oh my gosh. I need a shower, right? How long's that been there? <laughs> See, the Bible refers to the Word of God like looking in a mirror. The Bible is the perfect version of you, of not who you're supposed to be. No, no, the Bible is the version of you that you were created to be. And when you look into the Word, you're like, whoa, where did, what's going on here? That's what he's trying to tell you to do. Not just go, click, oh, that stinks, click and walk out. No, do what it says. Fix, fix the clothing, right? The Word of God is a reflection of who you were created to be. If things aren't matching up, just Make the adjustment and go on with your life. Verse 25 says, but whoever, whoever looks not casually, but intently into the perfect law. It's not just a book of rules. It's not just a book of, you know, you can and you can't. It says, looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. And continues in it. Not forgetting 
what they've heard, but what? Doing it. They, they'll be blessed according to the scripture. The only people who get results in their faith life, according to chapter and verse, are doers of the word. And then he gives us an example of what this, what this means. Those who consider themselves religious. Now, in our day and age, religion has kind of a negative connotation to it. We could say it this way. Those who love Jesus. Those who love Jesus and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue. Remember, all one thought here. Do not keep a tight rein on their tongues. Deceive who? You're not fooling anyone else. It's you. And their religion, look at this, worthless. Your witness, worthless. You can't, if you can't control this, worthless, according to James. I told you, shoot straight, James. So if we're going to be quick to listen, slow to speak, if we're going to seek first to understand, then be understood. If we're not going to gravitate to human anger, this is what the Bible talks about, being a doer of the word. And then I think he's trying to push it a little bit deeper here when he talks about doing, do, be a doer of the word. Keep a tight rein on your tongue. Don't talk against what the Bible says. Don't speak negativity over your life. Don't speak death and unbelief over your life. Don't speak sickness over your life. Use that tongue. The tongue is the key to all of these. Listening, keep quiet. Speaking, be direct. Your words will carry, right? Human anger, don't go there. Keep a tight rein on your tongue, the Bible says. Doers of the word, do that with their tongue. It's how they live. It's who they are. Does this make sense, friends? There the whole time. So, next time you're in a discussion with your wife or your husband, listen. Catch their point. Seek first to understand. Then be understood. Don't get into human anger. Get rid of moral filth and be a doer of the word. James chapter 1 closes. <laughs> Amen. We made it to chapter 2, friends. Next week, we're turning the page, all right? We're going to go into chapter 2 next week. But hasn't this been rich? It's been there the whole time. We just needed to slow down and see what the author is trying to say. James, the brother of Jesus, may have knew some things about human nature. And it's helping us. Father, we are so thankful for these words that are written down in your holy written word. 
And God, right now, we purpose in our life to not just be hearers only. We purpose. And Father, just like all of us, every single one of us at some point during this service have felt challenged, have been reminded. Some of us have heard things we've never heard before. Father, now, as we leave this place, God, we're not leaving the same way we came in. We're not people who just look in a mirror and then straightway forget what manner of person we are. God, we allow your words to change us, to make us into the person that you see us being. That's our goal. The Bible says it, your word is freedom. That's what we want. We want freedom. So thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.